Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Jason, tell me what we got today. Dee, today we are doing something that the Patreons requested. Oh, wow. So, right? so guys, if you haven't joined our Patreon family, it's a big happy family. You can do it by going to patreon.com backslash Shirley podcast. And for as little five bucks a month, you get access to all of our episodes and you get a voice in what episodes we are going to do. So tell me about this one. So we put it out to our Patreons. We said, hey, guys, here's a couple of matchups we got coming up we like. What do you think? Which one would you like to see first? And the people voted. And today we are covering Big versus Twins. We call it the Big Twins episode, the ladies and gentlemen. Big Twins episode. <laughs> I was going to tell you, so you had not seen Twins when we started this, right? That is correct. I watched it for the first time last night. So <laughs> my first thought when we had said that, I said, you know, to myself, I'm like, wow, D is a Twins virgin. Yeah. And when you said, hey, I'm going to watch it tonight, I was like, tonight is your night, bro. <laughs> your night, bro. Yeah. <laughs> if only it had been the same type of experience with Kelly Preston. <laughs> exactly. Then that's where we could, could go. Okay, man, I'm dying to get into this with you, right? Okay, so Kelly Preston was born in 1964. Let's, can we just talk <laughs> for an hour about Kelly Preston, please? I really, honestly, I, I had written this, hold on, I gotta, I gotta say this, I gotta say this. So Kelly Preston was born October 13th, 1962 in Honolulu, Hawaii. Her given name was Kelly Kamalele Lua Smith. She would later change it to Preston. Her middle name, Kamalele Lua, means a flowering evergreen garden. And if I could just go play <laughs> in the garden of Kelly Preston's evergreen flowers, I would do it every day. Oh my gosh. We're both in love after watching this. Uh, smoking hot. And then I was going to say, and that's all that I have to say about Okay, well, we're going to get into it because this is a much beloved movie. And before we really dive into it, we are starting our summer of 88 celebration, right? Exactly. So here in the next few weeks, we're going to bounce around a little bit, but we're going to celebrate the summer of 88. So this week, we'll be covering Big and Twins. Twins was December of 88. Yeah. A couple of weeks from now, we got Poison open up and say, ah... Living Colors Vivid, mm-hmm. and then later it'll be Cinderella Long Cold Winter and OU812 by Van Halen all came out in the summer of 1988 and going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So you definitely want to stick around, push that subscribe button so you don't miss any of those great episodes. So summer of 88, you're probably just getting your driver's license. Is Not that- quite. I was 15. 15. Yeah. Okay. So I was... 12 going on 13. So I'm the same age as Josh in this in this movie as things are happening. Yeah, we were talking about the how the age difference really kind of plays into the enjoyment of this movie. Yeah. I was not really interested in being a kid or being an adult. You I just, just wanted to drive. You wanted to drive. Yeah, that's it. Ironically, that's exactly what Tom Hanks said in an interview during the production of Big. He they it was like, "Did you want to grow up?" And he's like, "Actually, I just wanted to drive. That was that was what I wanted to do. I wasn't. I was having fun. I wasn't trying to go be an adult. I just wanted to be able to have wheels and maybe some money." Yeah, that was that was basically me. Hey, before we get too far down the road on this, we got we got three little things we got to check off our list here, right? Yep. So we discussed how the Patreons actually selected this episode. Yep. For us, uh, I think it won over Mr. Mom versus 9 to 5, which we still think is a fantastic episode. We will cover it. That, that's coming down the road at some point. Yeah. Another thing, I want to throw out a special shout out to our buddy Jeff Johnson. 
Okay. Jeff is a good friend of ours. I mean, he runs the Film by podcast with, mm-hmm. with his buddy Brad, and they do a super job over there. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely want to do that. He sent us a very, very special gift in the mail the other day. Yeah. So we just got done with our Outsiders episode. Yes. Okay, we did E.T. last summer. Yep. And we did The Outsiders. Yep. He bumped into C. Thomas Howe backstage at a convention. Yes. Said he talked to him for like 15 minutes. It's fantastic. (laughs) Just got done with The Outsiders episode, and he's over there talking to Pony Boy. That's right. And his buddy who was there said, hey, did you did you talk about the Hitcher episode that the film I did? Or did you talk about what we're going to do? And he said, no, I was too busy pumping up the Shirley podcast on The Outsiders, <laughs> nice. which I thought was hilarious. So yeah. he sent to you a signed, like an autographed picture of C. Thomas Howell and The Outsiders. Mm-hmm. It says, D. Stay Gold, C. Thomas Howell, Pony Boy. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate that. So cool, right? Yeah, very cool. That's, that's now... Hanging at Shirley Studios. And I'm sitting here drinking out of my A Film By Podcast cup as we're doing this episode. The one that changes colors? Exactly. Wearing my t-shirt. That's exactly right. And then he actually sent me a signed picture from D. Wallace. My namesake. Right? Yeah. Listen to what D. Wallace wrote to me, okay? So I'm a huge fan of the movie Secret Admirer. Right. Uh, to me, it's... Kelly a- Preston. <laughs> I'm going to have an I'm gonna. Yeah. So to me, that is an overlooked movie from... The 80s. I don't know why it's not listed as a classic teen comedy. See Thomas Howell, Corey Haim, Lori Laughlin, Kelly Preston, D. Wallace, Fred Ward, Casey Semesco, full of people. Anyway, Jeff knew that I was a big fan of Secret Admirer. So since D. Wallace was in that movie, he had her sign, and she just signed this on her own. It says, Love you, Jason, from your not so secret admirer, D. Wallace. Your heart go pitter-patter. I mean, she's the mom of the 80s. I yeah, loved it, you know? E.T., yeah. e. baby. E.T., Cujo, Secret Admirer, The Howling. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and then there's one more person that we we absolutely have to give a shout-out to. We we got, ladies and gentlemen, we've, got, we've gotten several reviews on the podcast, but we got what is probably the longest and maybe funniest review that we've ever had, and so we <laughs> have to read it out loud to you now. This is a little tooting our own horn, but it was worth it for what this guy put down. This is tooting our own horn, but really we're tooting his horn because we really want to shake the bushes and have him come out and contact us through email. Absolutely, yeah. We'd love to get to know this guy. But this is from Morgan's Morgue, okay? Yeah. He said, I teach social studies at a military school in Virginia. I feel it is imperative that I keep up with current events so as to best explain topics that may come up in my classes. But I discovered the Shirley guys just before Thanksgiving of 2022. Prior to this, I would listen on my morning drive time show to stay up on local current events and listen to public radio to get more in-depth coverage on national and global issues. Boy, was I a moron. (laughs) Since Turkey Day, I have not turned on my radio or from my 30-minute commute each way because of these guys. I have been loving every day's drive to and from work, reliving the glory of yesteryear, and getting a new perspective on things I was too dense to understand as a teenager in the late 80s and early 90s. Who cares about global warming, geopolitical (laughs) issues, and Pledge Week when you've got so many episodes of the Shirley Can't Be Serious podcast. I am learning so much about movies and music that made me and using that knowledge to influence another generation of misspent youth. I am seriously thinking of developing a few lesson plans on entertainment trends of the 80s and 90s in my classroom. And I can thank Jason and Dee for that. Do yourself a favor and drop into the best 80s and 90s pop culture podcast on the interwebs. You will thank me later. And more importantly, you should thank the Shirley guys. Lord Morgan, take off your mask. 
<laughs> Tell us who you are, a wise and uh, witty man. We need to know your real name. Hit us up, uh, ShirleyPodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. There's a bajillion followers that we've got out there for those, but feel free to just email us. We want to know who you are and maybe send you a special present for that awesome review. Guys, if you want to help us out, Submit a review. If it's as hysterical or even close to as funny as that one was, we will be happy to read it on the air. Lord Morgan, thank you. You made both DNI's day. That was great. Yeah. All right. On to the podcast. Jason, Yo. you got something. Tell me you got something. Just name, address, and badge number right here in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> we are not talking about Die Hard today, but that is related to what we are talking about because I discovered as we we're doing our research that we typically do that the young actress who gave the line that Jason just gave to us is Penny Marshall's freaking daughter. That blew my mind, dude. And her birth, it's, it's possibly a pivotal moment in the life of Penny Marshall that changes entertainment history. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. What do you got for well, me? Well, before we get in there, let me just just to throw back to a film by we covered ghostbusters 2 as guests on the film by it was back in november of 21 if anybody wants to go check out that particular episode we talked about ghostbusters 2 and we talked about ivan reitman i listened to it again today because heck it's been two years i needed to refresh my own recollection of the history of ivan reitman and so i went back and listened to it i encourage you guys to it's so fun i have such a good time with jeff and brad doing those guest episodes. Yeah. So I don't want to rehash the whole history of Ivan Reitman again, since we've already covered in that episode, but I will give it a brief refresher. Okay. Sure. So Ivan Reitman's history is pretty freaking interesting. Like he came over as a little kid, as a stowaway in the bottom of a boat with his family to escape Czechoslovakia. Like it was crazy, yeah. right? He ends up in Canada, doesn't speak the language, has to to learn to speak the language, ends up going to college to become a, a music major. He wanted to be a composer, but... Oh. He couldn't find any good movies to put his music to. So he's like, well, I'll just make my own movies. And so he ends up making movies and realizes, hey, I'm actually kind of good at this directing thing. Let's see what else I can do. And so he directs a student film. It gets it up in a show, like gets it in one of the contests, one of the festivals that they have. Right. And so after he, he... gets the film in the film festival, he does really well, ends up winning the film festival, has a guy come and talk to him afterwards who's like, this is actually really good. I was really impressed, and I work for a major studio, so I just wanted you to know. And so Ivan Reitman is Mr. Hutzpah. Like, he's immediately like, well, hey, what do you think about maybe putting this as like, it's only 20 minutes long. What if we do like a, a little pre-show for some movie that you guys are going to release? And he's like, uh, okay, let me think about it. I'll, right. I'll talk to you more later. I'll get later. back to you on that one. Right. Okay. A few weeks later, young college age Ivan Reitman is in the office of David Brown and Richard Zanuck of Fox Studios, the guys who would go on to produce Jaws. Right. 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 And he's like, hey, I'd love it if you guys just put this as an intro piece to this new Dustin Hoffman movie that you've got coming out. And they say, okay, we'll do it. So Ivan Reitman as a college kid gets his movie, his student film as the opening reel for this big Dustin Hoffman. I mean, Dustin Hoffman of his game, right? Imagine if we put a, a 20 minute film together and somebody said, yeah, I'll put this at the beginning of right. all of the Tom Cruise movies that are coming well, out this uh, summer. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, yes. That'd yeah. be great. So he does that. I mean, it looks like he's already just rocketing up the ladder. And then he directs another movie that's called the Columbus of sex. Well, as it turns out the place in Canada that he decides to 
air this film is in very conservative and he gets arrested for pornography. Okay, yeah, that's so right. So all of a sudden, bad right turn, right? You know, oh crap. And then he's like, okay, I've got to make this work. He gets out of his legal troubles. He's like, I got to make this work. So he goes into absurd debt making this movie called Cannibal Girls. Cannibal Girls. Right. So he's got this movie called Cannibal Girls. It's got Eugene Levy in it. <laughs> yes. And so it's, you know, it's funny and it's horror and it's raunchy and he manages it to get it in the Cannes Film Festival. And it's kind of this wow guerrilla operation with him and all of his production crew where they start putting up posters where they're not really supposed to all over the place to try to get people to come in to see the movie. Some folks come in. As it turns out, one of them ends up being a big producer. And he stops Ivan Reitman after he's done watching the movie, like literally like day before the festival is over. And he's like, hey, I, I saw your movie. Um, it might be bad enough that we could make some money on it. <laughs> and Ivan Reitman's like, great, what do we do? Sounds and, awesome. And he's like, uh, I'm going to this thing. Uh, you know, Talk to me tomorrow. We'll, we'll figure it out. And he's like, where, where, how? How do I talk to you? And he's like, oh, I'm at the DuPont or something, some big fancy hotel. Just come by, ask for me. And the, so he, Ivan Reitman, of course, goes by. When he gets up to the guy's room, there's this, it's a giant penthouse. There's this huge party with all of these stars. And again, Ivan Reitman is just this young 20-something guy, just, hi. Hey, it's Rob Redford. Hey, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so he gets this guy and he's like, um, hey, you told me to come see you. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, hey, we'll get together. I'll meet you at the studio. And Ivan Reitman's like, can we do something like now? I'm just a little worried. And the guy's like, okay, go back in my bedroom. And we'll talk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. So okay. he goes back to the bedroom. It's not anything, you know, not anything weird like that. But go the, go back in the bedroom. Get undressed. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, the guy, the producer comes back in. and He's like, "Listen, I tell you what, I'll I'll give you fifty thousand dollars for it. And keep in mind, he's a hundred thousand in debt, right?" He goes, "I'll give you fifty thousand dollars for it and a percentage of the profits." Um, does that sound good? Right. But just trying to get him out of the right. house, right? right? You know. Uh, yeah. So Ivan Reitman says, uh, yeah, do you mind writing that down? Uh -huh. And the guy's like, okay, here, here's a napkin. All right, $50,000 and a certain percentage of the profits. Here you go. And Ivan Reitman's like, Sign. do you mind signing that? <laughs> and the guy's like, listen, here is my name. Shake my hand. I'm telling you this will be the deal. And sure enough, he follows through with his word. Okay. And Cannibal Girls gets released. But the studio is worried about some particularly scary scenes and some particularly raunchy scenes. So they do this thing where they put warning bells in <laughs> whenever there's a scary scene. Like they literally have a disclaimer. It's part of the trailer. It's like, this movie is so scary. We have to warn you before you have uh -huh. a sexy scene or a scary scene. Right. And so literally as the, yeah, as the movie's going on, it's like, a, it's like the Harpo Marx horn. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and then it shows the scary scene. And then when it's safe, you know, it's like the bing bong. And you're, you know, you can open your eyes again and watch whatever's going That's on. That's crazy. And Ivan Reitman's like, this is kind of killing all the surprise in the movie. <laughs> and you're like, dude, that is not why people are coming to watch this movie. Just trust us. And, yeah. and you know, history is made. He goes on and he starts his own theater company. He starts his own TV production company. So for those who don't know, Ivan Reitman did Meatballs. Yep. Stripes. Yeah. Both with Bill Murray. Yeah. And of course, later he does this little movie called... Ghostbusters. Yeah, I might have heard of it. Yeah. Uh, from there, I mean, he did Kindergarten Cop. 
Batman Twins, which we're going to talk about today. Junior with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger again. Yeah. So he's had a really, really successful movie career. Right. I mean, Ghostbusters is the big atomic bomb for his career, for sure. Right? There's Absolutely. just no question. Absolutely. And that was 1984. David Wright, write that down. David Wright and I have this ongoing <laughs> argument about what the best year in movies is. So Right. So now this movie, this Ivan Reitman movie that we're about to talk about, didn't come along until a few years later, 1988, year before Ghostbusters 2 came out. That's correct. Okay. So how did he get this movie? I don't know the answer to that yet. But I can tell you, you've also got a story with the writers, okay? So the writers on this, we've got two teams of guys, okay. right? Yeah. So one of them is a, a British set of partners, and one of them is a an American set of partners. Okay. Okay. So the British writing team is William Davies and William Osborne. This is their first significant screenplay. I mean, they have you know a little bit of work, but really they came over from England. Now William Osborne was a barrister, like he was went to Cambridge Law School, became a barrister. But then he and his buddy, William Davies, says, you know what? Let's go to California and write movies. And he's like, okay. The only preparation that they made before they went out to California was that they bought the book Screenplay and read it five times. That is it. <laughs> wow. No other experience did they have. They came out to L.A. and started writing, and this is their first movie. Now, they would go on to do the Johnny English franchise, uh, nice. a bunch of animated hits, Flushed Away, How to Train Your Dragon, Puss in Boots, most recently oh. Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which I don't know if that's good or not anyway. But, those are big titles in that world. Oh, for sure. If you, you know? don't have kids, just let me tell you, those are those are CDs or DVDs that are in a parent's catalog. They're at right? my house. Yep. Right. And he also, this is hilarious, William Davies also co-wrote Stop or My Mom Will Shoot with... Mr. Blake Snyder of Save the Cat. Interesting. Yes. Okay. There's a whole backstory with that with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Sylvester, and Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. That's right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And then just a side note, just a relative, William Davies' brother, Michael Davies, is the guy who brought uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire to TV. It's just an interesting... Small thing. little show. There you go. Might have heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Now, the American team is a couple of guys named Timothy Harris and Herschel Wingard. Okay. Okay. These are the guys who wrote Trading Places. Nice. Yes. And that was, so they have, they've got a few movies under the belt. They did Trading Places. They did Brewster's Millions. They would go on to do Kindergarten Cop again with Ivan Reitman and Arnold Schwarzenegger. But I didn't even realize this. When we covered Trading Places, did you know that it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay? What? I think we completely no missed that. Yes, I totally missed that. Wow. But there you go. Not only are they based on Three Stooges skits, but <laughs> they are nominated for Oscars. So these four guys are the writers behind Twins. So you told me you know the story of how it becomes the movie. Well, so I've got a little bit on this. Yeah. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ivan Reitman, and Robin Williams are all at dinner in Snowmass, Colorado. And I think this is like winter of 1984. Okay. Now that's a big year for Ivan Reitman because Ghostbusters was everywhere and Arnold had just done The Terminator. And of course, Robin Williams was already a star with Mork and Mindy and a million other movies. Right, okay? right. So they're all sitting around dinner, talking, drinking, eating, having a good time. And Ivan Reitman is laughing and he's like, he turns to Arnold. He's like, you know what? You're a funny guy. And Arnold said, funny how? Like funny? Like, how? no, he <laughs> like didn't I say. make you laugh? <laughs> I'm here, here to, to amuse you. you. 
So Ivan Reitman is just like, no, you're really funny. We need to see this on the screen. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, well, thank you. He's like, there is a funny side to my personality. Yeah. But nobody will let me express it. Like, because I'm the action hero guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a comedian, but I, I do like to be funny. And Ivan Reitman's like, dude, we have got to figure out a way to get your comedic side on the big screen. Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, great. I'd love to be directed by you. So let's do this. Let's figure out a way. And so Ivan Reitman was like, okay. So he came back to him with five ideas. And they laid them all out. And Arnold's like, this is the best one. Like, I think this one right here, twins, would be the... The funniest has a potential to be really funny. And Ivan Reitman's like, well, who do you who do you think would be your twin? And Arnold Schwarzenegger, right off, it says Danny DeVito. Because physically, they're opposites. Right. And Ivan Reitman's like, that's a great idea. I know Danny. Let me call him right now. Perfect. And so from that, they go and they all have dinner together. And they sit around the table and they talk about it and said, it was a wonderful brainstorming, lots of funny ideas. Arnold, Danny, Ivan Reitman. And they said, let's do this. And so they all signed a napkin basically said, I'm agreeing to do this project called Twins. Danny DeVito still has that napkin like signed in, in his living room. Cool story, right? Absolutely. So Arnold is telling him, hey, nobody's ever given me the chance to be funny. Before, That's right. right. Yes. And even on Wikipedia, it says, and I quote, notably, this was Arnold Schwarzenegger's first time starring in a major comedy. Yes. I pointed out to you that that's a bunch of baloney. Okay, yeah, tell me about this. So when I was a kid, there was a show that used to come in all the time. My dad thought it was funny. I watched it. I thought it was funny. It's got Kirk Douglas, okay, and Margaret, yeah. and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it came out in 1979, Dude. nine years before Twins. What is? What are you talking about? This movie is called The Villain. The Old West, where the women were shy. Would you mind taking hold of these, please? The Indians were restless. And the villains were the heroes of the day. Kirk Douglas, Anne Margaret, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Foster Brooks, Mel Tillis, Ruth Buzzy, and Paul Lynch in The Villain Rated PG. Or, if you happen to be from anywhere besides the United States, you might know it as Cactus Jack. But Kirk Douglas plays a villain cowboy, like a black Bart mustache twirling, dressed in black cowboy, yes. who, is, who is going after Arnold Schwarzenegger and Anne Margaret as they are making their journey on a horse-drawn carriage. Arnold is literally dressed in the same clothes that the old Lone Ranger used to wear. Like, it's the blue, sheer, <laughs> tied-at-the-top costume. Okay. And it is a balls-out comedy that is, it is an homage to all things Looney Tune. And when I say it's an homage, there's characters named Avery Simpson and Parody Jones, which of course the two big guys from Looney Tunes, biggest guys, Tex Avery and, and Chuck, Chuck Jones, Jones, right? Yeah. Avery Jones played by Jack Elam. Yeah, the guy from Cannonball Run. Right. And Parody Jones is played by Strother Martin, who is a huge cowboy guy, but Cannonball Run is important because the director of the villain was Hal Needham himself. <laughs> Hal Needham, Smoking the Bandit, Cannibal Run, The Stuntman. Exactly. Hooper. Yeah. And it's, and just to be clear on the, how much of a dedication to the Looney Tunes catalog this is, I was, I'm pretty confident, and it's been a couple decades since I've seen the movie. There's a part where Kirk Douglas paints a cave on the side of a wall, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Anne Margaret drive their carriage straight through the cave, <laughs> and then Kirk Douglas swings down and smashes his face into the rock painted like a cave. The old paint the rock trick. They even had Mel Tillis in it to be stutter and kind of 
Porky Pig character. <laughs> At one point, Mel Tiller says to Arnold Schwarzenegger, you talk funny. And Arnold Schwarzenegger says, that's easy for you to say. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Hey, Mel Tillis is in a movie we're getting ready to cover every which way but loose. Oh, gosh. I'm so excited about that. And he sings like an angel. Oh, yeah. I I love it. I love it. Be sure and stay tuned. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the follow button because Jason and I just happen to find that we love these two crazy old Clint Eastwood knockoff of the Burt Reynolds Smokey and the yep. Bandit fame. We love these movies and we're just, we just said, heck with whatever we got scheduled. We're Mark it doing off. it. We're doing these. <laughs> so go check out that movie. I can't promise that it's good. It, it ranks in the fives. Okay. Like it's, it's got a 5.2 on IMDb and it was an absolute financial failure. <laughs> I think that is the reason that is known by another name in all other countries besides the U.S. is because they're like, well, maybe we'll have more success if we rename it Let's Cactus Jack. Yeah. It, that didn't work either. Uh, it was it was dismal. So what happens is that the studio is like, Arnold's never been a part of a comedy. And they're like, oh, wait, the villain. And like, okay, they've he's never been a part of a comedy that's good. Right. And so they don't want to finance the movie. That's exactly right. So here's the deal. When they're sitting at dinner with Ivan Reitman, Danny DeVito, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, they all agree they're not going to take a salary. They are actually the ones taking the risk. So no studio really wanted to do a comedy with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Think about it in 1988. This is pre-Kindergarten Cop. This is pre-Junior. This is... This is the Conan and Terminator days and, you know, Predator. Right. So they all agree, no salary. They're just going to get a percentage of the back end. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Well, it turns out Twins made over $200 million. When it all figured out, his percentage plus whatever comes up to be $35 million. Wow. They, they sit around and they talk about how this was the best decision they ever made. Financially, for Ivan Reitman, Danny DeVito, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was fantastic. Yeah. And in fact, it became such a historic deal. The studio, they will never do that again. (laughs) Right? They just sat there and watched these guys just rake in money. Right. Okay, let's jump over to big. Transition back to big. The space goes down, down, baby, down, down the roller coaster. Sweet, sweet, baby, sweet, sweet, don't let me go. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa butt, shimmy, shimmy, rock. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa butt, shimmy, shimmy, rock. I'm at a girlfriend, a tusky. She said a tusky, a biscuit, ice cream, soda, pop, no, I'm a top. Ooh, Shalina, walking down the street, ten times a week. I met it, I said it, I stole my mama's credit. I'm cool, I'm hot, suck you in the stomach three more times. Okay, now it has to be said from the outset, 1980. 88 and and late 1987 yep. was the time period with little boys in men's bodies. Yeah, it was kind of, for whatever reason, there was a trend there where four movies came out right around this time Yeah, with the same sort of premise as Big. Right, so let's, let's talk about it because all of these movies, except for Big, have a Freaky Friday style to them, right? I mean, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Freaky Friday's movie that came out in 76, and it's where they both make the wish at the same time, I wish I could be young again, I wish I could be old, and they switch bodies, right? right? Yeah. And so in 1987, four studios at the same time say, we want to revisit that, except let's make them guys instead of girls, Yeah. right? Yeah, so you had Like Father, Like Son, which came out in October of 87. Okay, Like Father, Like Son is the one with Kirk Cameron and Dudley Moore? That's right. Okay, so 87, Kirk Cameron is at the top of his fame. I mean, he's the poster on every girl's wall, in every girl's locker. Mr. Tiger Beat, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, that, that movie's a guaranteed success. By the way, we talked about this movie in a previous episode. Did we? 
because it features two songs off of Girls, Girls, Girls by Molly Crew. <laughs> I did not remember that. Okay. Yes. Yes, okay. Like Father, Like Son, Dudley Moore. I mean, heck, Dudley Moore's doing all right in the 80s, Of course. Too. Arthur, funny, drunk guy. All right, go. Yeah. Then you have 18 Again. Okay, 18 Again is the one with George Burns. Yes. And the Ferris Bueller guy from the TV show Ferris Bueller. You're exactly right. Yes. What's, the, what's that dude's name? Uh... David Slater. Slater. Yeah, yes. Okay. Right. All yeah. right. Good. Yes. Okay. Good. Good for us to remember yeah. that. Hey, way to go. <laughs> okay. And then you have vice versa. Remember that one? Yes. So that was Judd Reinhold and Fred Savage. Again, a guy who's, I mean, an up and coming star, right? Of course. That one should have been huge as well, right? Yeah. And Judge Reinhold, fresh off of Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Fast Times Original High, yeah, he's an up-and-coming movie star. I can tell you, I saw every single one of these movies at the theater, laughed at every single one of sure. these movies. Now, keep in mind, I was 11 and 12, but... I enjoyed them. I mean, I can remember after 18 again, seeing Schlater, whatever, David Schlater doing his George Burns impression, ah, going, yeah, yeah. that guy is a brilliant actor. <laughs> like, I can remember having that conversation, like, this is so good. Yeah. Yeah, so tell me, how did these movies, uh, how they rank? How do they how they fall? Well, so here you go. Like Father, Like Son is a 5.2. 18 Again is a 5.7. Vice Versa mm. is a 5.9. But... Let's not forget there was a TV movie called 14 Going on 30, which came out in March of 88. So you throw what? that into the- 14 Going on 30? 14 Going on 30. Not 13 Going on 30 Not the Jennifer, Jennifer Garner. Garner, no. This is another TV movie that came out right at the same time as all this stuff. I mean, it's just, for whatever reason, it's a trend. Everybody thought now's the time to do this. And so the last one at the table is big. Thankfully, that one actually got nominated for Oscars. I know. Okay, so before we get there, all right. So this is this is great. It's it's so interesting that you've got all of the. I mean, just imagine all of these similar style movies all coming out. Most of them with phenomenally big stars, and then you've got big, which I mean, Tom Hanks was not the Tom Hanks yet. This is what made him the Tom Hanks. It is exactly what made him the Tom Hanks. And he did it. I mean, you can't give credit to anybody but himself. I mean, Penny Marshall obviously did a great movie, but let's let me back up. I'm getting a, we're, we're into the movie and I haven't given <laughs> you the history yet. All right. OK, so I gave you the history on Ivan Reitman. I'll give you the history a little bit on Penny Marshall. Right. OK, so so Penny Marshall grew up in the Bronx. Right. OK. She had an older brother and an older sister. Mm -hmm. Older brother's name is Gary Marshall. Probably heard of him. Definitely heard of him. The sister's name was Ronnie. They both end up going into television. Gary Marshall writes for like the Dick Van Dyke show, a whole bunch, a whole slew of these other things. Of course. Ronnie is also in television production, doing work. When Penny is born, her given name is Carol Penny. They had changed it to Marshall at this point. There's a you know, an Americanization of an Italian name. Okay. Well, her first name, Carol, was because her mother loved Carol Lombard, the actress. Okay. Her middle name, Penny, was because her older sister, Ronnie, thought they were getting a horse and was saving her pennies to get a horse. And when they're like, we're not getting a horse, <laughs> but we'll name her Penny if that makes you feel better. And somehow, <laughs> little big sister Ronnie felt better that they were going to give her the middle name Penny. But of course, she ends up going by that middle name, right? Sure. She grew up at 32, 35 Grand Concourse in the Bronx, which, why does that matter? I'll tell you why. Okay. Because here are some other people who grew up in that building. Same building. Okay. In the Bronx. Okay. Neil Simon, the odd couple. Yeah. Ring a bell? Of yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Klein. Huh. And Ralph Lauren. 
Wow. All of these guys and Penny Marshall all grew up, not at the same time, but all as children grew up in 32 35 Grand Concourse in the Bronx. Calvin Klein made Marty McFly's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. All in the same building. Yeah. And so she's got, she's got this interesting religious history. Gary was christened uh, in the Episcopal Church. Okay. Ronnie was christened Lutheran. And Penny was the congregational church. And basically, <laughs> why, why, you know, three siblings, all with different churches. And she said, well, my mom was a piano player. And so basically she needed places to do recitals. And so if they had a place for her to practice and give recitals, we joined the church. <laughs> so Penny ends up going to college, is there for two and a half years, but then gets pregnant with what ends up being a daughter that they named Tracy. Okay. Who then... Goes on to have a bit part in the movie called Die Hard. <laughs> you know what college she went to? Tell me. University of New Mexico from the Bronx. Yeah. You know why she went there? No. Because her father wanted her to lose her Brooklyn accent. <laughs> She's like, it didn't work. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so she, two and a half years into college, drops out to marry the father of Tracy, a guy named Michael Henry. They are only married for about three years. This is 1966. They get a divorce. She's like teaching dance classes, not sure what to do. But Gary and Ronnie are both in television. They're like, hey, come out to LA. We'll put you to work. Yeah. And so she goes out there. She does some help for them. Her first... That's a terrible, wonderful story. Her first acting job was a head and shoulders commercial. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good start. Her part was the girl who had the stringy, unattractive hair. Uh huh. And the girl who had the beautiful, bouncy hair, Farrah Fawcett. Lucy, mm. let me borrow your shampoo. What a roommate! Can't you ever buy your own stuff? Ouch. So she's in the midst of, you know, they're filming the commercial and they have stand-ins and she notices that her stand-ins placard says homely girl. <laughs> and that the other girls, that Farrah Fawcett's stand-ins placard says pretty girl. And Farrah Fawcett sees her looking kind of like dismal about this. And so to help the situation, Farrah Fawcett goes over and crosses out the word homely and writes plain <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Farah. Know what I think? You think you look adorable. <laughs> Not just that, hon. I think your shampoo did a terrific sexy number on my hair. I love it. I'm glad. Now you could buy the head and shoulders. We're out. Okay. Can I borrow some money? In fairness, Farrah Fawcett, at, I mean, she would go on to be one of the most beautiful women in the world. Especially known for her bouncy hair. And Among other things. Other things. <laughs> <laughs> So she gets other acting parts, one of which is a reoccurring role of Myrna as the secretary on the TV series, The Odd Couple. So it all comes back full circle, right? Yep. And then, pivotal moment in television history, her brother casts her and Cindy Williams as two loudmouth, obnoxious brewery workers to go on a date with Arthur Fonzarelli and Richie Cunningham. Yes! Gary Marshall is the creator of the TV series Happy Days, and because when they do this episode, November 11th of 1975, if you care to go back and check it out, all right, it's called A Date with Fonzie, and if you remember, every time before, the, before Happy Days starts, they say, filmed before a live studio audience. Yes. The studio audience's reaction to the characters named Laverne and Shirley 
was so strong that it caused them to start their own show. That's fantastic. Yeah. I got something for you. Go. You know who else got their start on Happy Days? Tell me. Mr. Tom Hanks. That's right. The karate episode. That's it. Uh, I loved that. I loved that. That's fantastic. There you go. Kicks Fonzie through the freaking plane <laughs> glass window in the back of Al's restaurant. That's it. Oh, I can't believe it. You got it. So they've been friends a long time. Yep. She, interestingly, another big show for the networks at that time was a show called Taxi. Yes, absolutely. Starring, among others, Tony Danza. You got Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Christopher Lloyd. So, throw back to twins. She and Danny DeVito. Both in Taxi at the same time. There you go. Interesting little bit, right? So she stars, obviously, in Laverne and Shirley. That spins off. I mean, talk about Gary Marshall and a string of hits. He gets Happy Days. He gets Laverne and Shirley. And then the spinoff from that is Mork and Mindy. Robin Williams, who is at the dinner table with Ivan Reitman and Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's exactly what I was thinking. And so she's got success as an actress. And then she kind of tests the waters by directing a few episodes of Laverne and Shirley. She directs some other TV episodes. And then in... The early 80s, she gets the opportunity to direct Peggy Sue Got Married. But she had creative differences with the writers, and she bails. Yeah, you know who they got to direct that one instead? Tell me. Francis Ford Coppola with Nick Cage. Yep. You know what she ends up doing instead of that? She has a friend named Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Who says, I'm doing this movie project. Why don't you come direct me in this movie? Yeah. It's called Jumpin' Jack Flash. Ah, yes. That's there what it's go. called. Yes. And Whoopi Goldberg eventually becomes a big star, and this is kind of a stepping point for her. It's a stepping point for both of them. And so this is, Jumping Jack Flash was Penny Marshall's first movie. Her second movie? Big. Big. Okay, so this is the first screenplay for a couple of people. Okay. The two writers on this movie. The writers are, number one, Gary Ross, ends up being neighbors to a woman that you might have heard of. Her name is Ann Spielberg. Ann Spielberg. She has a very famous father. His name is Arnold Spielberg. He was an electrical engineer for GE. He invented <laughs> several very important computer things. Yeah. Uh, one of which, uh, being a restaurant guy like you are, you probably know, is the computer-controlled point of sale. Yeah. So folks, if you've, you know, you're in a restaurant and they're ringing you up on a computer, that is the responsibility of Arnold Spielberg and Spielberg's dad. So that's her famous relative that we can talk about. Is that it? Is yeah, that, that Well, and he, here's another interesting story. He went over to Moscow at some point and it just so happened that this was right when the the powers thing was going on with the B52 and so like he gets pulled up, you know, the Russian guy knows he's American, he gets pulled up and he kind of yells at him about this is what your country is doing to us and all this other stuff and that actually becomes the subject of a movie called Bridge of Spies, which stars Tom Hanks. And is directed by, who is the director on that one? Uh, that would be Steven Spielberg. Oh, so is he related to Anne and Arnold? That's her brother. There you go. Steven Spielberg. And in fact, think with me in this alternate world uh -huh. where Anne Spielberg writes a screenplay. Maybe she gives it to her brother, Steven, who decides, you know what? I think I like this story. I'm going to make this movie with Harrison Ford right. as Josh. Right. Yeah. That was actually on the table at one point. That was probably the first thing and what would have seemed like the most likely thing at the point at that point, right? Absolutely. And you asked me, you're like, what is what happens if this movie is it gonna be as good if it's directed by Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford? And I said, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think Spielberg would have pulled it off, but it wouldn't have been right. It would have been too Hollywood. 
And I think that Harrison Ford would have screwed it up. He's an old grumpy codger. <laughs> he came out of the womb an old grumpy codger <laughs> with a right. stubble on his face. I mean, there's just, he cannot play childlike sweet, which is what you need for this part in this movie. I agree with you. Harrison Ford has never been a kid. No. So this project bounced around between famous directors, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Steven Spielberg, so he had a son named Max yep. at the time, needed a bail. Plus, he really didn't want to steal his sister's thunder on this deal. Yeah. So it was offered to Frank Oz, Richard Donner. Wow. Amy Heckerling. Wow. John Hughes. What? Yeah. Wow. Ivan Reitman. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And lands with Penny Marshall. How does that happen? Well, I guess when everybody else says no, you end up with who's left. By the way, just a side note. Yeah. This is the first movie directed by a woman to earn more than $100 million. First one. Yeah. It's incredible. It's, it's groundbreaking. Yeah. I told you I can remember her acceptance speech at the Oscars where she was like, well, there were a whole bunch of these movies. <laughs> and I don't know why this one's better, but thanks. <laughs> I mean, she's so funny. She's hilarious. You know, Tom Hanks says, if you want to imitate Penny Marshall, just clench your teeth together and act pissed all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So Penny Marshall got the script. No studio wanted to do this movie. Okay. Right. right. Here's what jump-started the project. Yeah. Robert De Niro was looking for a commercial project. Okay. And he said, hey, I'll do this movie. And so when Robert De Niro at that time says, hey, I want to do something cute and funny yeah. and mainstream, yep. they're like, okay, yeah, Mr. De Niro, you want to do this? We'll green light it. We'll yeah. get it going. And he signed on for like two weeks. Later says, you know what? This is not working. Doesn't feel right. No. Now, what's interesting is he would go on to do a young boy inside of an old man's body with Henny Marshall just a couple years later yeah. when they do Awakenings. By the way, go check out the a film by episode on Awakenings. It's fantastic. But in this one, it's more it's a true story and it's a kid who went comatose basically as a Little 10 or kid, 11 yeah. year old and then wakes up in an old man's body in an old man's body yeah that's exactly right by the way i heard i wasn't able to verify this young josh and yeah. billy yep they had crisscrossed them like they had hired billy to play young robert de niro oh and when he dropped out of the project and tom hanks came aboard yeah they flip-flopped those kids those kids let me just say this those kids are a key element to this movie Right. Yes. yes. I mean, Tom Hanks doesn't appear until the movie's been going on for and maybe it's ten minutes before he shows up, right? But in the first seven minutes, you fall in love with Josh Baskins. Yeah, it's so important to love the kid. Yeah, I mean, you it, the credits are going by like you're seeing directed by, edited by, written by all of these things going by as Josh and Billy are having a great time. And Josh is living the life of a kid that every single adult watching the movie is going, yeah, I remember that. I remember what that was like. Being in love with the blonde, pretty girl and wondering why she has such a dweeby brother. Yeah. You know, just getting all of those emotions whenever you see her. And then the mortification that comes along with your dad in an alligator hat and your mom taking pictures at the fair, waving right. at you. Right. Hi, Joshy. <laughs> and then that doubled by the fact that you can't get on the ride because you're too small. Okay. Let's talk about that for just a second. Okay. Right. So this is a fair carnival type of atmosphere, yeah. which I loved at that age, right? Yes. The, the mobile roller coasters that would show up and the tilt the worlds and, and the funny stuff. 
And the carnies that would run this thing, yeah. it was all very sketch, but it was super fun as a kid at that age, okay? Yeah. One of the least believable parts of Big is the fact that this guy would not let Josh ride this roller coaster because he was not tall enough. <laughs> <laughs> Those carnies could have cared less what you did. Yeah. So. I don't know. I've had some kids denied because they were too short. And we're like, come on. She's like. Three millimeter. They're like, I'm sorry. It's rules. It's safety. We won't do it. So <laughs> I felt his pain. Yeah. I identified with him because I was his same age and I wasn't short, but I understood being kind of in love with the older, at that age, frequently taller young girl. Yeah. And she turns to him. She invites him in line with her. Yeah. He's like, woo, here we go. And yeah. then she's like, hey, here's my boyfriend. He drives. He drives. Like that, that is all you need right there, right? Gosh, yes. So those two kids playing in, the, in those parts for that first seven and a half minutes of the movie is key. And, it, and they delivered it so perfect, so well done. Tom Hanks gets tons of credit, but those kids definitely deserve credit for this too. Yep, absolutely. Just on a little side note, mm -hmm. do you know that this is one of only three movies that drop the F-bomb and still maintain their PG rating? I had forgotten about that. Who the f*** you think you are? Hey! Hey, you're Josh Baskin, remember? You broke your arm on my roof, you hid in my basement when Robert Dyson was about to rip your head off! You don't get it, do you? This is important! This is, it's it's Moscow that drops the line, right? He does. Billy. Who the F do you think you are? Yeah. And it's a super important moment in the movie. Yeah. And now. By the way, I'm three months older than you, asshole. <laughs> yeah. These are all things that I didn't notice as a kid, but then when I'm watching it with my own kids, I'm like, what? There are three movies, rated PG, says the F word. Spaceballs, which we covered. Yeah. Flashback to Spaceballs. Yeah. Caddyshack 2, which is one of the worst movies of all time. <laughs> it came out in the summer of 1988. Yep. And then Beetlejuice, of course. We ready to talk cast? Let's do it. Okay. So the characters in Twins, you have Julius Benedict and you have his brother, Vincent. My name is Julius and I'm your twin brother. Oh, obviously. The moment I sat down, I thought I was looking into a mirror. Let's, let me just stop you right there. Because you sent me this little gold nugget yes. early on in our research, yes. and my mind was friggin' blown, and I'm going to steal it from you. I'm just going to steal it. Hey. I don't care. I've given it to you. This is, this is Jason's gold that I am sharing with the rest <laughs> of you, right? So the characters' names in this are Julius and Vincent. Jules and Vincent, if you will. Uh-huh. And if those two names said like that don't spring a little trigger in your brain, then you are not a big enough Tarantino fan because that is the name of John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson's characters in Pulp Fiction. That's right. I love sharing this story with my friends. I've done it multiple times since you told me. All right, yeah. and, then I'm, and I'm like, so do we just think that's a coincidence? Uh, no, because guess who one of the producers of Pulp Fiction was? Mr. Danny freaking DeVito. This was an homage to his part and his partner's part in Twins. What the heck? How about that? Spike the football, gold nugget, right there. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so, Jules Benedict, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, he is Vincent's brother, yep. which is the one joke that this movie tells the entire <laughs> hour and 45 minutes. Uh, you said that. I think there's two jokes. The first joke is there opposites and they're twins the second joke is arnold schwarzenegger this big bulking guy is a naive virgin walking around in la that's fair okay yeah. cool all right so we talked about how they were friends danny devito they called him up uh, also conveniently 
Ivan Reitman, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Dan DeVito are all represented by the same talent agency. That helps. Which makes it a lot easier, right? It's called packaging. Uh, So they called him up. They all signed that magical napkin. So that was a done deal. Reitman, Schwarzenegger, DeVito. Right. So before we go any further, I want to tell you that Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger were also offered Suburban Commando as a possible comedy. So what happened was they got to choose which one they wanted, and the other one would go to Hulk Hogan and Christopher Lloyd. Okay. And so DeVito and Schwarzenegger selected twins. Hulk Hogan and Christopher Lloyd got Suburban Commando, but it could have easily been the other way. Wow. Are we going to be covering Suburban Commando in the near future? I plan to cover that one. Yeah. We pick winners every year. Just depends on what you, uh, if you are in love with that one. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about Marnie Mason and Linda Mason. Okay. Linda Mason played by Chloe Webb. Yep. If you've seen Sid and Nancy with... Gary Oldman as Sid Vicious and girlfriend Nancy. She's Nancy. She did a great job. She's lovable. Yeah. She's cute. Yeah, she's, yes, she is. Uh, she's homely girl. She's, yeah, she she is well built. She's put together. She is well built, but has a, a more plain girl face. Yes. Yeah. And then you have her sister, Marnie Mason, played by 80s heartthrob Kelly Preston. I baked you some cookies. Cookies? I guess it was a dumb idea. I don't know that at all. I, I'm really looking forward to tossing them. <laughs> now, Kelly Preston had been acting for a little while, but hadn't been in a whole lot of stuff before this. One of the movies that she was in, you mentioned already, was called Secret Admirer. Not super well known. Love it. One of my all-time favorites. Another one was the movie Mischief. Mischief. And then she was also in Space Camp. Space Camp, yeah. Can't forget that. Uh, that, by the way, first, a film by episode that I listened to, I think, was Space Camp. There you go, 1986. 86. Yep. There you go, yep. And then she gets cast in Twins. <laughs> when we were texting back and forth, you you sent me this Kelly Preston, little greater than sign, Elizabeth Perkins. And I, my response was, Kelly Preston, greater than everyone. <laughs> Smoking hot, great actress, believable. I don't know why she didn't do more, honestly, other than that she hooked up with John Travolta and he was the star of all stars at that time. And we're not discrediting Elizabeth Perkins because we think she's really, oh, yeah. really pretty for big. Yeah, she and and they I mean, they didn't make her the sex kitten in Big like they did with Kelly Preston in Twins. Right. I mean, she was supposed to be businesswoman. Like she's got her hair pulled back in a bun, she's wearing ridiculous shoulder padded yes. pantsuits. It's she's not so supposed to be ultra sexy. She's supposed to be the girl in the office who's gets around a little. Yeah, she sleeps her way at the top is what she does. So before she gets into mischief, if you will, <laughs> she auditioned and was top, top contender for the movie Blue Lagoon. Yeah. She lost out to Brooke Shields, who is younger than her, by the way. Can you imagine Kelly Preston in Blue Lagoon? Let's all take a moment. <sighs> okay. All right. So Kelly Preston, I just got to throw this out there. She dated a few folks before she married John Travolta. Yes. You know this? You know the list of folks? Well, I know one of them. Is it Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen. Apparently he shot her in the arm? Yeah, you know. What? I mean, that's what happens when you date crazy people. How do we not know more about that story? We need to dig into that one. That one is nuts. (laughs) You also have a young David Caruso in Twins. Yep. He's Dan DeVito's buddy, Al, that gives him cars to steal. He runs that parking garage. David Caruso goes on to do... CSI. Yep. Yeah! (laughs) So David Caruso is Al Greco. 
You have Trey Wilson as Beetroot. Would you buy furniture from a place called Unpainted Huff Hines? <laughs> we love Trey Wilson, man. Yeah. See, he plays the same character in every movie. Yeah. Bull Durham, Raised in Arizona, Beetroot. All right. Uh, just another thing I want to point out. You have Heather Graham playing an uncredited Marianne Benedict. Talk about smoking hot girls. Wow. This is right before she kind of takes off. Yeah. I mean, her her kind of step out was playing Mercedes on License, License to, to Drive. Drive. In 89. Next year. Yep. And then one other thing I want to point out real quickly, playing Mother Superior is Francis Bay, who was the, the grandma in Happy Gilmore. Exactly. Be sure and go check out our Happy Gilmore versus Caddyshack episode. Mm-hmm. And I just did an episode with Jeff Johnson on his Patreon on the movie Nomads, which was John McTiernan's first movie with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. And Francis Bay played a nun in that movie. So oh, that's interesting. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got on cast for Twins. All right, let's flip over and do the cast for Big. I'm not sure we should do this yet. Do what? Well, I mean, I like you and uh, I want to spend the night with you. Do you mean sleep over? Well, yeah. (laughs) Okay. But I get to be on top. Fantastic. Okay, so we talked about how Penny Marshall ended up getting the job. Right. Here's the list of names that they thought about for Josh. Okay. Big Josh. Big Josh. Right? So we already talked about Harrison Ford. You have the names Bill Murray, Judge Reinhold, Michael Keaton, Kevin Costner, Robin Williams, who would later go play a boy in a man's body in Jack with Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. I just say Judge Reinhold, that means that he picked what? Vice, Vice versa. versa. Can you imagine him just kicking himself? I don't. I picked the wrong one. Because, I mean, he can play. He can pull off... Sweet. Of course. Yeah, childlike for He sure. has that, yeah. I think Michael Keaton would be great in this role. <clears throat> yep. John Travolta really wanted this part. Considered box office poison at this time. Yeah, this is look who's talking to time. Yeah. Ouch. Right? Yep. Steve Gutenberg could have easily done this, I think. Wow. Dennis Quaid wanted it, but he did Everybody's All-American instead. Okay. Matthew Modine. Now, I heard that Sean Penn was considered for this. Yeah. They thought he was too young to play the adult, right? Okay, yeah. And and then they considered Gary Busey. Yeah, but they didn't think he could play the adult. (laughs) (laughs) How about that? Yeah. All right. Jeff Bridges, Andy Garcia. So Andy Garcia was considered, but the studio executives did not want to pay $18 million to see him grow up to be a Puerto Rican. (laughs) That's terrible. Dude. That is terrible. Dude. That is terrible. Wait a minute. Andy Garcia is from Cuba. He's Cuban. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm from Cuba. Oh my gosh. That's, that is awful. So that is awful stuff. How about that? That's kind of an interesting list right there. All right. Okay. Before they ultimately settled on Tom Hanks, do you know who turned down the role of Josh Baskin? No. Tom Hanks. What? He turned it down initially, and then it came back to him. Wow. So let's just, let's talk about Tom Hanks for just a minute, okay? Yep. So this is 1988, right? They're they're probably making these decisions in late 87, right? Yep. And so at that time, the only thing besides like TV episodes and Mazes and Monsters, if you remember that one. Wow. He'd been in Bosom Buddies, which of course, I loved Bosom Buddies growing up. Great show. But he comes into the movies with Splash. Yep. Loved it. Great movie. Then does Bachelor Party. Awesome. Hilarious. Funny. He's so good in it, but not a huge success. A little raunchy Then humor. he does The Man with One Red Shoe. Mm, loser. So-so. Oh, uh, volunteers. Mm, loser. Yeah. Then he does 
The Money Pit, which is hilarious. Great movie. But not super successful. Sure. I love The Money Pit, by the way. Yep. Then he does Nothing in Common. With Jackie Gleason. Which, again, is meh. It's okay. And then Dragnet? Dragnet would... With Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd should be a phenomenal success, and it's not. Right. It is not. So at that point, he's not the it actor. That's right. He is not the, I mean, I understand why they went through 14 guys, including a Cuban they thought was a Puerto Rican, <laughs> before they land on Tom Hanks. But it is the most important decision they made. Yep, Absolutely. By the way, he did Punchline. He did Punchline before. This it came out after because of the editing process. But Punchline what came out that same year. Obviously not as successful, but... And he, not as good. Right, and not as good. Yeah. By the way, uh, when they had Robert De Niro for this role, he wanted $6 million, which was part of the problem, part of the reason why he left the project. They got Tom Hanks for two, and it made over $100 million completely worth the investment in Tom Hanks at the time. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the role of Susan, played by Elizabeth Perkins. Okay. We both agree she does a great job in this movie. Yeah. And she looks beautiful today. Very elegant woman, plays the businesswoman part. And we believe that she's not afraid to lay on her back a little bit to get to the top. Right. They offered this role to Meg Tilly. Didn't your sister-in-law hang out with Meg Tilly a yeah, little bit? Yeah, was a roommate for a few weeks, yeah. How about that? Yeah. So... Family friend, Meg Tilly. Yeah. Then you also had Deborah Winger. Yeah. Deborah Winger was like a shoe-in. Like she was, she had it. Yeah. And then they had trouble casting Josh. And then Deborah Winger went to Penny Marshall and said, why don't you switch the parts and make the female the, one the big grows. one, you yeah. know? Yeah. And Penny Marshall's like, no. And then Deborah Winger got her feelings hurt. And then she's like, well, forget this. I'm out of here. Yeah. So. Which is interesting because I mentioned that Penny Marshall was supposed to direct Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah. Deborah Winger was the one who was supposed to play Kathleen Turner's oh, part. Oh, wow. Okay. When Penny Marshall had the falling out with the writers, Deborah Winger left in loyalty to Penny Marshall. Wow. So I can see how at that moment when she's like, why don't you make me the star? And Penny Marshall's like, nah. Right. That, yeah, that might have. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that went badly. Yeah. Okay. Any thoughts on Susan? Okay, but I get to be on top. <laughs> <laughs> We both talked. So there's some funny parts in Big that I texted you. I, you and I were talking the other day. The part when she bends over to pick up the papers. He had knocked Robert Loja's character on the ground. Yeah. Tom Hanks has been over to pick up the papers. She's been over and her blouse opens a little bit. You can see her flowers. <laughs> there's some lacy underlings underneath. Uh -huh. And Tom Hanks is like, whoa. Yeah, like looking at it, looking away, looking, pulling his head away, and his <laughs> eyes are darting back down. Yeah. Just like a 12-year-old boy would be doing. Yeah, super funny. Yeah. And then eventually, later on in the movie, when they actually sleep together, right? The, mm -hmm. Susan and Josh, she introduces, you know, she opens his eyes to this wonderful world. Yeah. And she takes her shirt off, her bra is on, she goes to hit the light switch to turn off the lights. Yeah. And him staring at her chest reaches back and turns the light back on. Yes. And, and she giggles and smiles. It's really a kind of an endearing moment. It is a sweet moment and a moment that as a 12-year-old at the time, I'd have been like, yeah. You turn the lights off for I've never seen this before in my <laughs> exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about Mr. McMillan, played by Robert Loja. Robert Loja, baby. Right? They call him Mac in the movie. I think that's uh, kind of cute. I love it. That character was based on FAO Schwartz CEO Peter Harris. Okay. Cool. Okay, now then, for the role of Paul, played by John Hurd. Yeah. 
who's the dad in Home Alone. Yeah. Who's a sweet guy in Home Alone. Yeah. He's a dickhead in this. Yeah. For, I saw this first, so this he was just, I was like, oh. Give me the ball. Yeah. Give me the ball. I did not hit it. It was over the line. No, it doesn't it matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Over the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, they actually looked at Charles Rocket to do that. He plays the bad guy in Dumb and Dumber. Oh. Oh. Okay. I like, got you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. And they also talked to John Lithgow about playing this role. Mm, been interesting. We talked about him when we did our Footloose episode. Yeah. He was the Reverend Shaw Moore. Yeah. In Footloose. Yeah. And then we talked already about Jared Ruskin, who played Billy, and David Moscow, who played young Josh. So let's talk about the boys for just a second. Okay. David Moscow plays young Josh. Okay. Super job. Yep. They actually had to dye his hair and he had to wear contacts to make him look more like Tom Hanks. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. And then Jared Rushton played Billy. Right. They actually did some really cool stuff. We'll talk about that in production. But these two boys and Tom Hanks would hang out and Penny Marshall would kind of take notes on how they interacted and incorporate it into the movie. We'll talk more about that here in just on the next episode. Yeah. But the one lady I really want to mention is Mercedes Rule. Okay. She plays Josh's mom. Yeah. And she's she's like another Penny Marshall. Okay. Italian, has that kind of uh, Bronxy accent. Josh, bring your sister down here. Yeah, she plays, she's in Frasier. She plays Frasier's girlfriend. Oh, that's right. She plays Dirty Girl. Mm-hmm. There's a great episode where he's the bad boy and she's Dirty Girl. Anyway, my wife and I think that episode is super funny. She's Dirty Girl. You can't leave out John Lovitz. John Lovitz. <laughs> His co-worker, he's yep. kind of sleazy co-worker. Yeah. Who uh, makes sure to point out the, uh, see that girl over there? She'll be wrapping her legs around you and squeezing you to death. Okay, I'll stay away from her. Sure, and stay away from her. Yeah. <laughs> See that girl over there in the red? Say hi to her and she's yours. She'll wrap her legs around you so tight you'll be begging for mercy. Well, I'll stay away from her then. John Lovitz, like, thought this was going straight to, to DVD, like... Thought it was a tank. Thought it was a crappy movie, so uh-huh. he was sick one day, and he thought, I just don't know if I'm ever going to go back to work. And Penny Marshall's like, get your butt up here. So he did and finished it. And it turns out to be this wonderful big hit. Right. Okay. So that does it for part one of our Big Twins episodes. Join us next week for part two we will, where we will talk about production. We will talk about composers and music. And we will talk about how these movies were received. And importantly, why we're comparing these two movies. I mean, there's the similarity that might be obvious to some, but... There's more that you might not know about. Be sure and come back next week so that you will hear that. I've got a big question for you, for you to think about between now and then. Okay. If you were Josh, yeah. would you choose to say big or would you go back? I have an answer to that question. All right. We'll talk about it next week. See you guys then. <laughs>